This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello and thanks for tuning in. I am that nerd dad, Joe Williamson. This is episode 100. Unbelievable to me. Uh, quick story here before I get into it. Um, I record the intro and the outro separate from the show. And a lot of times I make mistakes when I do that, but none quite as egregious as the one today. I recorded the intro, I recorded the outro, I went to put it all together, and I realized my mic was off the whole time. So that was a half hour wasted. Not that this is going to take a half hour to listen to me ramble, but uh, Jesus, what a waste. Episode 100, and I still can't figure out, is the mic on? Uh, So it's on this time, I can see the little bar moving, indicating that it's in fact picking up the sound of my voice. Smart. So whether this is episode one for you or episode 100, welcome to the Nerd Dad Podcast. We talk parenting, pop culture, and politics. Today's guest is none other than Dean Blundell. Uh, Dean Blundell opened some doors for me, got me started down this journey. And um, people have asked me, they said, why haven't you had Dean on yet? And I say to them, uh, mind your own fucking business. No, I say to them, look, I, I wanted to prove that I could do this on my own uh, to an extent. Dean helped spark some of this, but um, I didn't want that Nerd Dad podcast to be carried by the fact that uh, Dean is a regular guest or something. I didn't want to just see like random spikes in viewership or listenership as a result of having Dean on. So I I kind of committed to trying to do this on my own a little bit. And uh, I thought about having him on for episode 50, but I was on a bit of a run. And I thought, I can get to 100 before I need him. Um, and before I want to talk to him and, and really celebrate the 100th episode. So, Dean, super generous with his time. Uh, we talked for almost 40 minutes, I think. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. We talk, we talk parenting. We talk stoicism. He's big on stoicism. And uh, we talk, uh, like, rehabbing one's image. Because if you're familiar with Dean, he went through some shit a few years ago. As he refers to it, not everyone gets fired in front of a whole country. So... That all being said, I'm going to ask you for one thing, one little thing for this free entertainment. There's probably a subscribe or follow button wherever you're watching or listening to this. Hit that. If there's like a five star or thumbs up option, I appreciate that. And give me some comments. Oh, the feedback. I like the feedback. Got to grow. Can't learn. Can't grow without feedback. So bring it all my way. Thanks for tuning in. This is me and Dean after the theme song. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. All right, everyone. My guest today is uh, Dean Blundell. What is what is going on? What is where's hey, my life gone? Where hey, episode one hundred is Dean Blundell? That's amazing. He's on my show. My You're on, I'm not on I'm his. on your show. I can't believe I'm on your show. I'm not. That's... I'm gonna tell you a quick story. Okay. We're start start this off all about me. Okay. Uh, okay. I. Uh, <laughs> I I had a guy reach out to me last week and yeah. said, Hey, I really like your podcast. Do you mind if I pick your brain for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Sure. Set up a Webex. Met the guy. Mm-hmm. And he asked me how I got into it. And I was like, I uh, got connected through Dean Blundell. I'm like, do you know who Dean Blundell is? He's like, I had never heard of him until 
uh, until I started listening to your show and you mentioned him, his program at the end of yours. And I'm like, this is weird for me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is weird. Yeah. Um, so that's why uh, I tell people I know you, by the way. It's, yeah, uh, it's right. like when someone calls me and they're like, who do I know that you might know? I'm like, that nerd dad, Joe. And they're like, yeah, that's I know him. And then, and then they're like, we'll work with you for sure, because I know that guy. It's yeah. a different space, the digital space, Joe. Nobody knows who anybody is here. I know everyone can find everyone. And mm-hmm. uh, the reason why he found me is he wanted to start a podcast called That Nerd Dad. And his wife did a little Google search and she said, uh, there's already a guy doing this. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. And then he was like, all right, let's see what he's doing. And then he realized he's like, oh, that's that's the show I wanted to do. Uh, yeah. So that's how you ended up reaching out to me. So funny stuff. Where is he um, from? Toronto, actually. Oh, is he from Toronto? He's a Toronto guy as well. So it was just a, a small connection. And now he's he's re he's retooled his idea and he's working on something else now so we'll, we'll see what comes of it but i told him i'd be mm-hmm. available to help um dean thanks for coming on the show uh Welcome. obviously i, I owe I a huge debt of gratitude to you uh and re- yeah, no don't shake your head no i was not doing anything beforehand um <laughs> and i was uh I, I sent you the email about instagram you said yes who the hell knows why and here we are so uh thank you for that dean i really appreciate it seriously oh man we're ha- we're so happy to have you the world is um the world is so full of content that we don't get to see. You know what I mean? And and it's so full of advice from people that have lived different lives than we have. And having, uh, you know, the opportunity to be able to work with people that have a different perspective than me, that do other things than me, that, uh, you know, is is awesome. That's kind of what we're here for. It's why what I love to do this. It's why I love to do this. It's not about me or my show or this network. It's about the collection of voices and perspectives and opinions. And uh, you're huge to what we do, dude. So it's like totally my pleasure to, has to, that, to work with you. Has that always been your point of view? The idea of bringing people together? No. No. <laughs> no, no, it, it hasn't. You know, it's funny because I, I worked against that nature for a long period of time because I was on the radio for a long time. And um, you're really rewarded when you do a, a radio, like a daily radio show, you're, you're truly rewarded for the waves that you make, right? You know, that that's, that's a different animal altogether because, you know, word of mouth and, you know, recency bias. And that's, that's really where people on the radio used to make their cheese, so to speak. It was like, you know, can you go, it's a smash and grab. Can you do things other people aren't doing? Can you do them well? Can you do them to the extent that people will remember what you did, whether that be good or bad? And, and this is different, you know, when you're when you're here and you do this job, it's it's very different because it's like, hey, listen, we need to introduce what we do to different people and their audiences. We need to be able to uh, work well with other people that have digital products that are not like the product that we have because everything's very niche and segmented. So, no, I mean, like I, I you know, even the people that are of questionable moral dilemmas uh that 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 i don't like i mean i even support their stuff because you know everybody's just trying to do their job everybody's just trying to you know either generate revenue or everybody's trying to have a voice or everybody's trying to deliver their content and put their content out of the world and i think those are gifts that that we you know gift wrap for people on a daily basis it's the best of us it's the most personal of us when we're doing this job right so it's it's um it's a pleasure to work with other people and help other people and and you know it's in turn it's funny because i spent a lot of time trying to get for me 
Uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time trying to get ratings for me, money for me, notoriety for me, and all that other stuff. And none of that shit means anything to me anymore, Joe. Like, literally none of it. Um, where I get my excitement isn't in fighting with people, although we do that from time to time. And I quite enjoy that as well. Uh, it's it's an activity. It's more of a hobby. Is where you fight people that deserve to be fought, or you go after people that are espousing hurtful views, or liars, or performance. Uh, you know, people. That's what we do here. But more importantly, I try to stay away from that, even though it looks like I don't, because I really want other people in this space to do well. Especially if you're helping the greater good, if you're taking part in making this world a bit of a better place with your individual content. Uh, the people I don't work well with and the people I love watching fail are those that like to tear everything down for their own personal gain and benefit, right? So, uh, but no, I, I love helping people, just good people. I just don't like helping terrible people, that's all. What was the pivot? What 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 changed? Look, I, you know, I want to I talk about the, the firing and I want to talk about that um, in, in a moment. But what, outside of that, was there anything else that kind of caused that mindset of, uh, I'm going to start bringing people together? It's a better life. Okay. You know, I, like I, uh, personal changes, long story short, I think you're referring to me because you can say it. I got fired from a high paying, very high profile radio job about e seven, eight years ago. Is it eight years now? Is it eight? Yeah, it's eight uh, years ago. Yep. I don't know. Um, and uh, I'd been doing a morning show for a long period of time and it ran its course. I ran out of runway. They ran out of runway. Uh, doesn't even matter. I mean, you know, I got I got fired for making fun of uh, a rapist, and uh, and the rapist was like, you know, I mean, we're like, hey, this this guy's going to jail. He's going to get what he wants. He raped like four people, and because they were guys. Long story short, and I know this is going to be a terrible fucking experience for some of your audience members, uh, but long story short, um, we made a joke about a guy that was uh, that was a rapist because he got sent to jail. I'm like, hey, he's gonna get what he's got coming to him, effectively. Uh, and that turned into somehow me being homophobic. And uh, now that was the, that was the narrative for a long time. And I had never really had, I'd never really had like a reputational hit to the point where it affected me to that point, you know? And, uh, I hadn't really thought about the consequences of the things that I had said or done, whether I thought that that was right or wrong to say or do, uh, in the moment, uh, because I didn't care, but for some reason, I think when you're materially affected like that, you you get you get angry, right? You're like, who did this to me? And really, it's yourself over a long period of time. The things that you do, you do to yourself. Uh, and there's a tax that you pay for everything you've done. And I had a very high test, high profile, uh, somewhat mean at times, uh, very aggressive radio show where my goal was to make waves, not to make friends. And over that period of time, uh, it it becomes exhausting. Like, it's exhausting fighting people. It's exhausting going after uh, people. It's exhausting yelling and screaming and calling people names. And and I, I didn't want to live like that, right? And I was so jacked up and stressed and pissed off at the world because I thought everything was everybody else's fault. I had to do two things. I had to say, okay, put your fucking stuff down. Put your sword down. Go get some help. Uh, I had a drinking problem that was inflating every major negativity in my life that I had to deal with. And so almost five years ago, it'll, I think August, end of August, would be five years that I haven't drank. Um, and I thought that would cure me, and it didn't, right? I thought, oh, if I just don't drink, I'm going to be, I'll be all better. I'll just yeah. instantly know how to do life. Not the case. 
Uh, so I spent, you know, a year, year and a half not drinking. And then I'm like, I need help. Like I need like legitimate help trying to figure out why I'm sad, why I'm angry, why I'm blaming everybody for where I am. And that's when things started to change, right? Therapy, psychotherapy, uh, counseling. Uh, I got deep into a, a couple of support groups, one about philosophy, stoicism specifically that I espouse and I talk about quite a bit, which is you know just the practice of legitimately being able to respond in an unmanageable world in a positive way and what that does for yourself. But more importantly, I, I had to change my perspective. This fucking super poisoned way of thinking all the time. Like I used to think all the time that everything was here for me. Everything is here for me. You're here for me. Joe, that nerd dad, his podcast is here for me. Uh, the people that I work with are here for me. Uh, and that was the biggest problem that I had is that I was so selfish and entitled and me-centric and full of shit because I wanted everybody to believe this 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 projection of myself that was out there that I'd curated over the span of like 15 years in radio. And it was a lie, right? I was just a broken, sad story. Like I was just one of those dudes that, you know, never took time to get better as an individual, never took time to consider what my role was in all of my dealings. Uh, and until I did that, I, I never got better. And until I started to do that, I started to get better. And, and then you realize, um, that accountability and self-awareness are the two greatest tools you can take with yourself, not into your work, but into your life. And that accountability and, and, and self-awareness is only made better by selflessness, by helping other people. And, you know, through that, um, I've experienced the kind of joy that I never thought you could experience as a human being, right? I ex I've experienced friendship, uh, real friendship with real people. Uh, I've experienced kindnesses that I haven't deserved, grace that I haven't deserved in my life. Um, I've experienced um, success that I didn't think I'd see again. I've experienced uh, sustainable uh, joy in my life. I've experienced uh, terrible things that have made me um, be accountable and self-aware for the things that I have brought on myself. Dude, there's so many people that walk around. I know I'm talking a lot here, Joe. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of people that walk around blaming everybody for who they are. I, I would like to point to the truckers. I would like <laughs> to point to anybody who's not vaccinated at this point. I don't know if you go into these these spaces, I but I do. Um, I know you do. I just don't know if you go in as aggressively as I do. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, and and I look at the lack of accountability and the entitlement in, in an individual who says, uh, my perspective is more important than the collective perspective. My Happiness is more important than my neighbor's happiness. And I cannot live like that anymore because I was disgusted living like that for the first like 40 plus years of my life. So I want to ask you on that. The idea of, you know, looking in the mirror uh, and realizing something is broken and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to blame it on the liquor. Right. Cure the liquor. Something's a little, something's still not off. Right. You're, you're a charming guy. You're very well-spoken. You had one of the biggest radio market in the country uh and you had the number one show mm -hmm. is the reason why you didn't look in the mirrors because no one was making you bingo there was no accountability bingo when you have lots of money and people are afraid of you nobody challenges you to be a better human being like nobody nobody says hey dean you're wrong nobody says uh you know you need to work harder at this 
or nobody says, uh, have you thought about looking into some counseling? They all go, yeah, whatever you want, man, for sure. For sure. Yes, boss. To the point where you don't have to lift a finger. Like you don't have to do anything. Um, and my entitlement and my privilege, my white privilege, my male white privilege was exactly the thing that we see today that we hate so much in this neoconservative fascist movement. And I, I don't want to say I was one of them, but I certainly bathed myself in the entitlement that I thought I earned and I didn't earn it. Um, I was propped up by a great company and a great boss at the time. Chorus was a great company. Uh, and they told me that, hey, listen, we want you to go out and get it. We want you to drive revenue. And we did that. Uh, and uh, over time, you know, it, it becomes what it becomes. And, and you're allowed to do what you do. And you don't have any handrails and you don't have any parameters. And so you push so hard and so far that you collect a bunch of negative experiences for your employer along the way. They pay you a whole bunch of money and they're like, is it worth that money anymore? Then you get fired and you've built your entire reputation on external gratifiers. I built my entire reputation on rep, uh, on my influence, my T4 slip and my entitlement, everything. And when that was gone, oh my God, what was I? Nothing like everybody else. And then I was not precluded from the work, right? You're not ever precluded from doing the work of being a better person on a daily basis. You just, you just aren't. And the second you think you are, you become useless to society. You really do. And you become a pariah to yourself. And the worst part is, is that everybody like me knows, right? Everybody, everybody, that was like me or thought like me that had this poisoned like personal perspective that was more important than everybody else's or everything else's. They know like these guys that are heading to Ottawa, they know, they know they're doing something wrong and untowards and they know they're making the world around them a worse place, but they do it anyway because they, they are not strong enough, smart enough or capable enough to step outside their belief system and go, hang on, why am I hurting people? You know, why am I, choosing to be an asshole as opposed to choosing to respond in a better way. And I didn't have the opportunity or the ability to do that, right? Like when things got, they call it triggered. When things got hot around me, I would get triggered because I needed to get control of the situation because I was so fucking uncomfortable with, with stress and anger and anxiety that I would explode like a parent, right? So I did a terrible job parenting through that whole thing, like just awful where it was like, you know, I just want to be left alone with my anger and my stress and my anxiety. And now, you know, five years later, I've had to go back after, after those that time in my life where my parenting was god-awful. Uh, like, I was never drunk around them. I never abused my kids. I never did any of that stuff, but I was not present because I was I didn't like myself. And so, you know, to, to that point on the Net, That Nerd Dad podcast, the last five years, I've really spent um, learning right? Learning how to navigate and negotiate life, learning how to respond to tough things, learning to soak in tough things and lean into them and be able to get through them as opposed to throwing my hands up and screaming, fuck, I don't want to do this. The right? control thing I think is key. I, I, I do the same thing. And I talk about this on my show on a regular basis. You know, my therapist and I will have these conversations and it's like, well, what's stressing you out? It's like, I don't have control of the fucking situation. Right. And I want control of this situation. Mm -hmm. So I try to manipulate the situation so I get control. And if I don't, 
anxiety builds and away you go, right? You're off and running. Um, to that point about your, your, your parenting during that time, you say, okay, I was an awful parent. Being it was such a, a public firing in the Toronto market and in the, in the radio waves across the country. Hey dude, not everybody gets fired in front of a country, right? I was going to say, how did ooh, this affect ooh. your kids? You have three boys, correct? Yeah, three boys. Um, how, did, how did they handle? Was it? Did they feel it at school? Was it a thing? Like, did you have to? Yeah, it? yeah. There's some embarrassment there for sure, right? Because they were calling me homophobic, and 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 to to just to gloss over the whole story. Uh, our producer was on a jury trial. They convicted a man of raping four other guys over the weekend in a bathhouse. He came back on the radio, told the story. He said, I've sentenced that man. We sentenced him to five years in prison. I said, you sentenced him to five of the greatest years of his life because I'm very anti-rape. Sorry, I just am. Very anti-sexual assault or hurting other people. Uh, so a uh, long story short, over a three-month period, uh, the Toronto Star, with the help of a couple of judges and a couple of uh, lawyers that lost the case, uh, turned this into a PR effort calling us homophobic, and they were able to get the uh, the decision overturned because they said Derek is homophobic. Now, Derek's blind and one of the most accepting people you'll ever meet in your whole life, right? So it was just this big fucking railroading that they did, which is fine. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not a victim. I'm the author. So big deal. But the bottom line is, is that the damage that I, that did to my kids was muted by the damage that it did to me because I didn't go out for a while. Like I wouldn't go outside. I wouldn't go to the store. I didn't want people to see me because I thought they're going to see me. They're going to see this guy who hates gay people or, you know, is a, is a hateful person. This guy who lost his job, this guy who got fired, this guy who uh, was something and is now nothing. And like guys were yelling at me in the Arby's parking lot. Were guys dunking on you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah dude. And, and I'm like, this like that all happened in like two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> like you went from top of the world. Yeah, to yeah, dude. And 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 it taught me some really valuable lessons. Number one, you know, it taught me that uh, other people's opinions on me are not worth anything. There's a uh, an old stoic quote that's uh, if someone walked by and they gave your body away to that passerby, you'd be furious, but you give them your mind without even noticing, right? You know, we give people our thought processes all the time. We chew on these terrible things and we make them so much worse than they are. So I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to deal with the embarrassment my kids might deal with. I, I couldn't have normal conversations. I had friends that were afraid to talk to me because I had become so caustic or I'd become such a negative connotation in the industry because there was an effort there to paint me as this person. Like my employer legitimately hired High Road Communications and Jamie or Navigator Jamie Watt to legitimately do stories about how terrible I was so that I would not work in the same market against them again. Like that was, that literally happened. They the, wanted the you to go out to Alberta. <laughs> yeah. They wanted you to, they wanted me just to fuck off forever and never yeah. be seen again. They never wanted me to be on the radio. So, uh, job done, right? Like I was thinking about it even this morning, uh, in terms of the damage that we can do to people's reputations, right? And why we do it out of anger and emotion. Uh, and we don't consider what that does to people, but that's an industry that never really gave a shit about human beings anyway. And they do this to people all the time. They still do. Media organizations do this to anybody that they don't want coming after them or affecting their brand. They hurt you before you can hurt them. And for some reason, I took that personally. And I remember someone said to me, dude, it's just business. And I'm like, but I'm a human. <laughs> like, I'm a, I'm a human being. And, and then they said to me, and I thought it was fascinating, they said, yeah, but how about all the other human beings that you hurt over your 15-year career on purpose? And I'm like, that's a great fucking point. 
you know, you like we sit when people yeah. hit, 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 hit like that. The like, hypocrisy oh. button. <laughs> or and and I believe that to be true now. You know, like we're we should be really easy going with other people and very strict with ourselves. But at the same time, if I really believe that nothing anybody says about me carries any weight because I conduct myself in a, in a better manner, and there are millions of receipts to that end, why do I care? Why do I give it my brain space? Why do we give that our brain space? But it doesn't stop us, does it? When someone tweets us or some people are coming after us or some podunt blogger or podcaster does three solid podcasts about how much of a bully you are <laughs> Toronto, and, you, and and you're like why do i care and and to be fair i don't i don't really care what anybody says about me but it, what it doesn't prevent me from doubling back to make sure that did you conduct yourself properly here did you do and say the right things because you can never control everybody or anybody else, right? The controlling the narrative is an interesting topic, especially in reference to Toronto Mike. And for those who are not, who haven't been following along, the, the Toronto Mike has gotten in on Dean for some reason. I, I think it's a it's a reputation play, but it is what it is. But I good I, I wanted to do you know do a little homework, be prepared. So I did a little Google search of Dean Blundell to see what's in the news and what comes up. The first like three out of four articles news related. Yeah, our Toronto Mike uh, and Dean Blundell. Yeah, and it's all links to his podcast. So whatever he's done to the search engine optimization, yeah, kudos to him. Hat hat tip, because if right. you Google Dean Blundell, you're going to his podcast right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wild. and and it's and it's the narrative. Yeah, and and you know what? That's fine because I look at a guy like that, and I know all about that guy, right? I know he's a fraud. I know his numbers are a lie. I know that uh, he like he's begged me to be on his podcast Over a million 1, times. One thousand episodes. He's. I know I'm a lightning rod, <laughs> and I know that he piggybacks off of other people as a, for a living. Like I get that part of it, and you know, well, the, I get the Toronto Mike bump because I said his name. I don't think so. There's no bump with him. There's zero bump with anything he does. He looks for, to bump himself by sewering other people or going after other people in a dead industry, right? I can't control that. And and nor nor should I want to, nor should I care. Yeah. Other than the fact that some of the stuff in it apparently my lawyer listened to it, apparently it's litigious and he's going to get a bunch of letters and we're going to go for it. So, um but that's those are the legal ramifications of being a dick, right? You know, and and if you keep keep yourself away from trouble, if you conduct yourself appropriately, if you don't make up lies and stories about individuals, then I think what happens is is that you can sit on some confidence that you're doing the right thing, right? Like there's a there's a cabal of people that gather anytime they see someone they don't like take a take a heater to the mouth. There's just this group of people that like kind of jump on and go, I want in on that. And when they're like, you know, 60, 70 years old and they're just starting out and they're just, you know, I, I don't care. Like, I really don't care. And even if they were 40 or 50, even if they were people of substance, if they had conducted themselves appropriately, if this individual conducted himself appropriately, or if people out there conduct themselves appropriately, generally speaking, you don't have to choose to take an issue with things that you can't control, right? That's just kind of where you're at. And that's how I employ that part in my life today. Like none of these things bother me on a personal level. None of them grade. Like when people come after me on social media, I know why they're doing it. I know they're doing it because we have a lot of traffic and people pay attention to the things that we say because we 
try to try to err inside on the caution of the greater good. We try to make the world around us a little bit of a better place. We try to educate people as to the evils that are going on around you and hopefully you maybe see through it and have fun doing it. But when you you are successful, people will come after you and tell you that you're not or tell you that you're you're try to ruin your reputation. They try to they try to kite off of your success. And, and listen, the success metric for us has nothing to do with money or analytics, even though we have some of lots of both of either. The, the success metric for us is, are we helping other people today? Are we doing a good job today? Are we taking the, 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 the right side today? Like, are we super serving the 90% of, of Canada, which is like, hey, we just want to fucking get on with our lives, have a good laugh and be able to make some sense of what's going on around us so that we can do those things. That's why we exist. We exist to help each other. But the people that want to help themselves by hurting other people, which this Mikey fella does uh, and has been doing for quite some time, will always just be the frauds that they are, right? And it's not just him. It's, it's, it's everybody that performance tweets or, you know, I saw a lot of Happy Father's Day tweets to, to like dead dads yesterday, and I'm like, Eh, okay, <laughs> you know, like the performance angle that people live by today is rewarded on social media, right? So as case in point, you're seeing a guy like Mike go out and buy traffic so that his stories can trend. And if someone Googles my name, the first two or three stories that come up are him. And, and that's fine. And you know why it's fine? Because he's driving traffic for me too. <laughs> And people will go back and listen to the fact that we do a great job. And then he's going to be sitting there with his tiny wiener in his hand going, oh. <laughs> and then when, when he gets a letter from our lawyer, he's going to go, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, done three solid shows bullying some guy who just thinks I'm an asshole. Because that's really what it comes down to, right? Is that you, you can admit, you could listen, we're always going to think certain people are assholes. It's just we the are. way life works. And when you call someone an asshole back in the day, they used to go, yeah, all right. I think I'm an asshole. No big deal. Now they're like, oh, now they start I'm getting me too. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting me too into the asshole realm. And you're like, no, 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 dude, you should just be able to handle like normal conversations where someone says, I don't like you. And here's why. Right. But unfortunately, we don't live in that world, and then all the anger is is actually rewarded on Twitter and social media because that's how algorithms work, right? They want you to be angry because you stay on the site they longer. They do. They yeah. absolutely do. That's one of the things. Every time yeah. I see a Doug Ford thing pop in my like news for you, I'm like, that's not for me. That's to piss me <laughs> off. That's I, like when I saw Doug Ford's uh, yeah. Happy Father's Day message, I was like. I almost responded to this and I was like, no, this is what Twitter wants. Twitter wants me to engage. It's with this trying shit. to piss you off. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. almost worked. I almost was like snarky about it. I'm like, no, no, this is what it wants. It, I'm trying to beat the system here. No, that's fucking crazy. Um, has the, ha, the, the growth of Dean Blundell has been on display since that moment. And, and I, it's one of the things that um, drew me back to you because you continue to to grow and and come through it because I think I think we're all entitled for um, those moments where you mean we all make mistakes and we're trainees in life mm-hmm 
Yeah. And and you and you grow from and the and the 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 person I hear on a daily basis when I listen to your show is not the same person who was doing what happened. It's not the same thing, right? It's not not the same person. There are elements of him there still there, but yeah, you've grown from that moment and the redemption story of Dean Blundell, um, I think is one that will be told at some point in time, but on a personal level, has your, has your boys seen it? Have your boys seen it and have been, has being a positive model for growth impacted them? Have you seen it? Oh, it saved their lives. Okay. Save their lives. I mean, you know, we, I, it's funny because I got a tweet this morning. He's like, I hope your drug addicted kid dies. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I think you meant to send this to Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> because my son is like literally, you know, uh, struggled and, and went to rehab at a young age. And, uh, you know, we love him tremendously and he's doing so good. He's such a stud now. He makes music. He's got a, he manages a retail store. He's just, and he loves his life. He's got a great girlfriend. He's got, so many wonderful things going for him. My middle guy, 18, you know, he's, he's trying to find himself, but he's secure and happy and, uh, you know, hugs me every morning and chooses to spend time with me and, uh, you know, chooses to live with me, which is just incredible. They all do. Uh, and my 16 year old is a whip, you know, he's just one of those kids that, that has experienced, you know, the benefit of, you know, his dad admitting that he didn't have it all right and didn't have it all together um and needed help right and and i think two things i think you know when you model vulnerability to your kids you're telling them it's okay right you're telling your kids it is okay to be it's okay to 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 be sad it's okay to admit you don't have the answers and 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 when you choose to go get those answers and talk about those answers with your family or your kids as an as an adult who's a parent or a guardian there's something pretty magical about that for your kids you know and that i think the magic in there is that it's okay to reach up and ask for help you know and it's okay to sometimes get things wrong because this process is about a journey it's not about nailing it when you're 18 because you never have to go to school again and you can vote you know you don't just automatically by osmosis walk into wisdom justice temperance courage any of the virtues that i live by you don't just walk into those things uh at the age of 18 you acquire them with some self-awareness and a little bit of humility you know even in the fights that i take up I am constantly auditing my part in those things because I want to get better at this life. I don't want to get worse. I don't want to stagnate. I don't want to sit here and be miserable, be full of anxiety and stress and be afraid to deal with hard things. We weren't promised a nice life when we won the fucking birth lottery, Joe. We are given this one in quadrillion opportunity to be on this earth. That's literally the chances that you were born or anybody else on this planet. One in quadrillion, 400 quadrillion chance that you were born. To do something cool with it, to experience it in a positive, happy way. It's not to be put up with. Your life isn't to be kind of passed by just waiting for that conditional opportunity to hope that things get better. You have to be an active participant in getting better as a human being. And if you don't want to do that, you don't become, oh, there's one of my sons right now. He's walking by. He's listening to all this and he hasn't said bullshit. So I'm sure he's, <laughs> uh, but you have to be an active participant in getting better. Right. And I have not arrived. 
I am still the same broken, happy, anxious, uh, helpful, pissed off, hopeful person that I've always been. But I'm just getting through this life like everybody else is, right? Like, like you are, like your wife is. Uh, we're getting through parenting on one foot. And sometimes we need two feet. And sometimes we need to ask for help. We're never supposed to arrive. We have not arrived at sage status. We have not arrived at being perfect. We've arrived at being allowed to enjoy and experience life that not many people get a chance to experience and to waste it by thinking that you have all the answers or that you can get something done or that you're more special than the next person and everybody has to put up with your bullshit is, is, is childish stuff, right? You know, the stuff that I see around me, I, I just think, my God, there's just so many children on this planet walking around in adult bodies that think that they got it made. They got all the answers. I have no answers today. I have a better perspective today. I've got tools to live my life by, but I haven't fucking figured anything out. Right. And I hope to never figure it out. I hope to always be on this journey of figuring things out and acquiring little pieces of information so I can be eternally or totally happy at one point. But life is never supposed to be fucking easy, bud. And it's immeasurably harder when you think I'm the parent, you're the kid. You just do what I say. It's impossible. It's way harder to, to parent your kids with that anger that bubbles up or the confusion that bubbles up about how you're dealing with life. How do you expect your kids to become fruitful, productive, happy, peaceful young men and women when you're none of those things, right? And I had to ask myself that. And l listen, dude, like the podcast network, the show, the analytics, anything, any influence that comes, none of that means anything to me anymore, which is why I don't care about when, when people say shitty things about me. You know what means something to me? Am I modeling good behavior in front of my kids? And do I believe the behavior that I'm modeling makes me a better person? And it does. It does every day. And I still make mistakes. But my God, I don't think I've yelled at my kids in four years. I don't think I've gotten angry with them in four years. I don't think that I have, I haven't, I've been sad. I've been emotionally selfish. I've been manipulative, but I'm working on those things now too, right? Because that's the fucking point of life is just to get a little bit better every day. I have a problem judging people who don't want to do that. That's next for me, but it is still fun judging those people. So I still do it. His name is Dean Blundell. He's my hundredth guest, hundredth episode guest. I don't know if you're my hundredth guest, hundredth episode guest. I appreciate it. I thank you, man. That's it. We're done. That's it. It's over. That's it. So I'm done. The podcast okay. is finished. Podcast is finished. I, I I don't I don't go two hours like you and Locke. Uh, mm -hmm. I I do, I do 30, 40 minutes. I know you do 30, 40 minutes, but there's no extra. There's no. It's just we're done. We're done. You nailed it. Uh, you you did a little beautiful soliloquy at the end there. I'm not going to top that. I'm not going to keep this in. You're going to keep this in too. Of course. I keep all, all right. the shit. Usually, usually the end of my show is me saying, "Where's the record end recording button?" Yeah, because uh, I just, I always forget. It doesn't move, but I forget. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for having me on your show, Joe. Bye, everyone. There's the extra. I nailed there it you for go. you. Bye. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Dean. And recording. See, I just leave That's all. That's it. That's the show. That's me and Dean. I don't know. Uh, one thing: DeanBlundell.com.
where's my where's my new logo here? Uh, turn that one on. Turn that one off. I want to thank DeanBlundell.com. DeanBlundell.com, home of Canada's number one podcast network, including yours truly. Um, thank you, Dean, for your time today and every day. Uh, you're a constant resource, a gentleman and a scholar, sir. also want to thank you for listening today. I know a lot of people tuned in maybe for the first time just to listen to Dean. Hopefully you enjoyed it enough that uh, you'll come back. I can tell you that episode one-on-one, there will be no guest. I got some shit on my mind. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Just Joe show for episode one-on-one. And then I'm going to stop counting episodes until uh, 250. And I don't think I'll make a big fuss until episode 250. And then I think at that point in time, you can only make a fuss like after you double. So I think it's like I can make a fuss at 250. I can make an episode fuss at 500, then 1,000. And then I think maybe 5,000 and 10,000 at that point. And then maybe 25,000. And if I get to episode 25,000, I will be 100 years old. That's a fun fact. Uh, So stay tuned. Let's see where this bitch goes. What did I say that? Why? Why? I'm just going to end it now. Bye. Thanks for listening. Damn. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.